Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Today on the podcast, we're going to take a trip to where else, Scotland, and talk about the big climate change summit that just wrapped up there. If you're a climate hawk, are you happy about the summit? Disappointed? Both? Let's find out. Hello, and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So, of course, today we're going to be talking about the 26th Conference of the Parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. You might know it better as COP26. This is the annual conference where, in 2015, the famous Paris Agreement was reached. Its goal was to keep the climate from warming by more than 1.5 degrees Celsius from pre-industrial levels. And since then, the progress toward that goal has been kind of underwhelming for a lot of people. This year's COP was held in Glasgow, Scotland, and Bloomberg Law's Bobby McGill was there covering the whole thing. He's still in Scotland, so I thought I'd give him a ring and have him explain to me what exactly went down there and what it was like reporting on this famously difficult-to-cover event. Well, this is my third COP. I covered uh, COP24 in Poland, and I stayed there for the first for the whole two weeks. And then I uh, just one week in Madrid, um, the second half of that uh, conference in, in 2019, and this this was the marathon. This was um, in, in part because this is this was such a big, momentous COP. You know, this is this was such an important um, conference because it was where countries had to come back six years after uh, the Paris Climate Accord to sort of ramp up their uh, emissions cutting commitments. So as we're talking about this, I'm realizing that when you're talking about negotiations and and you know covering these negotiations it involves everyone being in the same place together which is not necessarily something we can do now with the pandemic uh still in play what was that like how did the pandemic affect the the ability of you to cover this and also of the negotiators to negotiate well you know they pulled it off it it happened there was a lot of mask wearing and there was you know they tried to get out uh the British government sponsored um, a vaccination scheme so that uh, as many people from the developing world could be vaccinated as possible. But the key here is that um, even though the conference went off uh, with without too much of a hitch, um, and you know there were some cases. I don't think we know the final number, but um, there were some cases of COVID. The, the key issue here is that because of the hoops that people had to jump through to get to uh, Glasgow from the developing world. There were um, activists and NGOs and 
other members of civil society who said that they did not have access to this, to, to, to COP26 and the, and, the, and the process that they would have previously. And there were voices that were not necessarily heard. Um, but at the same time, they did have, and I don't know if the final number is available yet, but I think there was an estimate of about 40,000 people attending this COP, which is a lot of people and a lot of people in a very concentrated area. Because the U.S. was there, there were a lot of different things that I had to cover compared to previous years. Yeah, actually, well, and I, and I wanted to ask you about that because this is the first COP that has happened since President Biden took office. And it sounds like, based on what you're saying, that changed, like, everything. It, I wouldn't say it changed everything. I, I would say that it, it, it certainly puts the U.S. back on the map. Um, you know, the U.S. tried hard, it, it seemed, to, you know, um, regain its credibility on the world stage. And on its, you know, with its, with its climate agenda. Um, this was, uh, this was notable because, you know, in the previous two climate summits, uh, you know, the U S didn't have, um, what they call a pavilion, which is, a, it's where they host side events and basically get their message out to the world. Um, this time they hosted, uh, interior secretary, Deb, secretary, Deb Holland, and they had, uh, other and, and, uh, EPA administrator, Michael Regan and, and other, uh, cabinet officials who were um, who were there to discuss the Biden administration's climate agenda. Um, in previous years, that didn't happen. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a big deal unto itself because, I mean, there are only, you know, about a dozen and a half cabinet officials that exist, and two of them were there, at least two, it sounds like. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Okay, so let's get into what actually happened at the COP. Um, overall, I get the sense that people were a little disappointed with the outcome, as specifically as it pertains to coal and coal subsidies. Can you talk a little bit about that and why um, some of the sort of environmental activists weren't thrilled with what happened there? Well, I think part of what happened was the very last minute there was, um, and the U.S. was a part of this, actually, um, there was a last minute deal to water down language on coal. But the, the difference here is that like, these um, fossil fuels have never been um, called out by name in any previous climate summit outcome. So even the Paris Climate Agreement didn't mention fossil fuels. And so for the first time we get... Uh, you know, a mention of fossil fuels in the in the Glasgow uh, Climate Pact, and that's significant because, especially with coal, even though the 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 uh, the language was watered down a bit, 
um, you know, I think it was perceived as writing on the wall for the for the coal industry. And basically the way they phrased it was the, the pact is calling for countries to help accelerate the um, phase down of unabated coal power. Um, there, there's no metrics for that. Right. But, you know, it, it says countries need to start moving away from coal and the market's already doing that anyway. And the other thing is that it, it talked about uh, a phase out of inefficient fossil fuel subsidies. What are inefficient fossil fuel subsidies? I don't know exactly. And, um, and so, you know, that's open to interpretation. If, if you think that, you know, if, if you are an activist and you think that climate change is the existential crisis of our time, this language sounds disappointing. Um, but if you're familiar with this process and you, and you see that this is actually calling for a, a shift away from, you know, even in watered down terms from these traditional sources, these polluting sources of energy, um, you know, it's progress. That's really interesting. Um, I, I also, I get the sense that China and India played a big role in this sort of last minute change to, as you said, water down this language. Can you talk a little bit about that? And, and I guess also about um, the role that these countries that are sort of developing very, very rapidly play in, um, you know, combating climate change and uh, potentially, you know, wanting to hang on to fossil fuels for a little bit longer? Well, I think ultimately they want their, they want the same quality of life we have and fossil fuels has brought that. And so, you know, uh, these countries, India is, is not going to, it doesn't plan to reach net zero until well into the second half of the century. Um, and, and so that's, that, that means that they are going to be committed to the fossil fuels for, for probably, and, and, possibly coal power for, you know, possibly another 50 years. Um, they were an active player in trying to water down that language. Let's talk about Alok Sharma. Um, he's the president of this COP. He said uh, at the end that, you know, we're still uh, 1.5 degrees is still a possibility. But he also said that it was, you know, the pulse is weak, that it's a very, very remote possibility. Can you unpack that a little bit and explain what he meant by that? And and how how 1.5 degrees is even still a possibility? Well, he's right um, in that. So the, there was a UN report that came out just before COP26 that said that we that globally um, emissions have to fall by half um, by 2030 in order to reach 1.5. Is that realistic? I don't know, but I mean, I think we can all look around and look and and. And understand that the political will for that is probably not as strong as it should be if we were if we're act, if we actually wanted to be on that trajectory. Um, with all of the climate commitments that are on the table from more than 150 countries right now, um, we are not on track for 1.5. We are somewhere in the neighborhood. We're we're above two degrees, and that's still that's catastrophic climate change. And part of the problem here is that the the math that countries use to estimate their emissions cuts and their current levels of emissions um it, it's it it may or may not be exact and so there's there's a lot of uncertainty in the system ultimately countries are going to have to come back to the table and and agree to do more and so that's what the next step is they they have to come back to the table at the end of 2022 um presumably in Sharm el sheikh uh, Egypt next year for COP27, 
um, and revisit those 2030 goals that they've had to cut emissions. And they and the the mandate is to is to cut emissions even more deeply. All right. And uh, finally, really briefly, let's talk about next year. Um, you know, are we did did this cop kind of set things up really well for Sharm El Sheikh next year uh, or do you think, is there like a lot of, are there a lot of open questions that, you know, are unanswered that will need to be answered before we get to Egypt uh, next year? Well, I think that the, the, the big thing on the table is, is, you know, more ambitious commitments. So, you know, we won't know until we, we won't know until we get there ultimately. Um, and, you know, there's going to be uh, a lot of, um, you know, intervening talks, you know, as there, as there always are. Um, between now and then, but you know, there, developed countries are going to be asked also to come back to the table and and you know put up more money for to help other countries adapt and um, you know to help countries that they can't adapt to um, you know uh, account for their loss and damage. So there's there's a lot of progress to make. Uh, this was a significant step um, at COP26 in Glasgow. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see how things go in, in a year. All right. Well, that was uh, Bobby McGill uh, speaking to us from uh, Scotland. Uh, Bobby, thank you so much. This was uh, uh, really great. And have a safe trip back to the U.S. of A. Thank you, David. And that'll do it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check us out on Twitter. We use the handle at environment, just that, at environment. I'm at David B. Schultz. Uh, that's B as in Bobby. Don't forget to buy me some scotch. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, David Schultz. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle and is edited by Rebecca Baker and Chuck McCutcheon. And our executive producer is Josh Block. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a lovely Thanksgiving. You don't need to be a judge to be interested in our nation's laws and legal institutions. Just like you don't need to have a law degree to be curious about the inner workings of courts, law firms, and law schools. That's where we come in. My name's Adam Allington, and I'm the host of Uncommon Law, a podcast from the Bloomberg Industry Group. Uncommon Law is where public policy, storytelling, and the law are combined. We explore big topics ranging from tech policy to free speech to race and gender diversity. So please give us a listen. You can subscribe and download today. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.